This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Hey friends, welcome to the Grace Enough podcast. I am your host, Amber Cullum. Each episode, I sit down with a guest to discuss their life journey and how the grace of God has impacted them along the way. After listening to today's episode, I hope you are encouraged that God can use you right now in the midst of your day-to-day life. Yes, it requires daily surrender and trust, but we must remember His grace is enough. It was about six years ago I was first introduced to the book Praying the Scriptures for Your Children by Jody Burnt. Outside of God's Word and a prayer calendar I have, it is the resource I use the most often when praying for my children. So in considering a conversation on prayer for the Grace Enough podcast, I thought of two people who have impacted my prayer life, my mother-in-law and Jody Burnt. Both agreed to be on the show, but this week's conversation is with Jody, and wow, is it ever rich with God's Word and how prayer deepens our relationship with Him. Listen to what Jody has to say about what often happens when we pray the scriptures. You know, there's a lot of, of richness and depth and variety as we lift our prayers out of scripture. But not only that, I think they become a lot more powerful. God says, uh, I think it's Isaiah 55, that his word will not return empty, but will accomplish the purposes for which it's sent. And I've really seen that, that his word goes forth and it accomplishes things because we know he has good plans and good purposes for us and for our children. And when we allow the words that we read in scripture to shape not just our prayers, but also our perspective, you know, how we as parents think about things, how we think about our children, how we think about our lives, the hopes and dreams we have, as we allow scripture to shape those things, It's just so interesting to see how our prayers start to line up with what God already wants to do. And it's it's this beautiful um, hand-in-hand partnership where God invites us to partner with Him in accomplishing these purposes through prayer. After listening to today's episode, I hope you're encouraged when you read God's Word to begin praying it over your children. Hey, Jody, thank you so much for being here today. Hey, Amber, thank you so much for having me. It's a delight to talk with you. Yeah, I'm looking forward to our conversation and talking all about prayer. But before we get into that, will you just introduce us to you, your family, and tell us a little bit about what you do? Oh, gosh, you're kind to ask. Um, Well, let's see. I have been married to my husband, Robbie. We met at the University of Virginia probably 35, 36 years ago. We've been married, I don't know, 33 or so years. Um, We have four adult children, also all UVA kids. Three have graduated. One is our son is there now, and two of my adult daughters are married. So we've been through kind of all the seasons of parenting and still walking through it. Um, And what do I do? Well, um, you probably know I write books, and um, a lot of them are about praying for our children, for our children, then our teens, and our adult children. There are three books on that. And I love to blog at jodyburnt.com and just kind of offer folks encouragement that way and and how they can live out their faith and and share prayer prompts and that kind of thing. So that's sort of me in a nutshell. Well, and you speak pretty Pretty frequently, I would say. Yes, I do. I do. I go around the country and speak, which is such a treat. I just love 
meeting different people, hearing about their own journeys and their families. And so that is a, a huge blessing to get to go around the country and, and speak mostly about praying for our families, but also about other things, about friendship and how we can guard our homes and lots of different topics that are of interest to people. At least I hope they're of interest. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I mean, that's why, and we'll get into it a little bit more about your books and everything and how they've been a huge blessing in my life. But first, I, I have to humbly say congratulations on your national championship recently. <laughs> Thank you. We are all still sleep defri- deprived and we were in Charlottesville last weekend for some meetings and about cleaned out the t-shirt shop buying national championship t-shirts for everybody we know because you know if you're a UVA fan you know that um, you never fully expect to win. You just love your teams no matter what. And so this year has just been such a treat for fans and um, of course having a coach who's a believer and who is so humble really is just the icing on the cake. Absolutely. I was talking to Veronica Greer a couple of weeks ago, which is J.D. Greer's wife, and she mm-hmm. also went to the University of Virginia, and so she had on her shirt. That was before Kentucky lost, and so we were in the process still. I'll give but you I was, my condolences. I know. You tell me you're a Kentucky fan. That's right. I'm sorry. Listen, we're used to it, though. I mean, not winning, but winning <laughs> and losing. You're kind of like, this is just par for the course. Like, you, you're yeah. not... We want to win everyone, but that's just not reality. So, Well, you win a lot, so congratulations on that. Thank you. And that is so awesome that you guys have all of your kids who have gone to UVA. I mean, that is yeah, quite you know, rare. Yeah, we call it the mothership. We told them they were welcome to apply anywhere, um, and they looked other places. But, you know, at the end of the day, it became a great fit. And because we are Virginia residents, that was a nice yeah. treat for us to have them close by and in-state tuition and all that. It's been a, It's been a wonderful gift. Absolutely. Well, we'll get on into talking about your books is where we'll start. Um, Your book, Praying the Scriptures for Your Children, has been a go-to resource for me since my oldest was right around five years old. And I remember originally being introduced to it through one of my friends, Anna, who, you know, someone had also gifted it to her. And then also through experiences with moms in prayer groups. But will you take us back, share with our listeners you know, how you came to know Jesus, uh, mothering during those early years, and kind of how that first book came to be. Wow. Okay. We'll jump right in. Let's see how I came to know Jesus. I grew up in a family that went to church, but when I was eight years old, my father, who'd been to a um, full gospel businessmen's meeting, I don't even know if that organization still exists, but (laughs) he'd been invited to that and came home and he said, Uh, Guess what, family? I have learned that it's not about being a good person and going to church. It's actually about recognizing that you are a sinner in need of grace and Mm. accepting Christ. And he just laid out the whole gospel message for us. And even as an eight-year-old, you know, I knew it made sense. I knew I was a sinner and that I'd never measure up on my own if I were trying to, you know, live a good and upright life. And so sweet father, my my father uh, led me to the Lord. And so it was a privilege to grow up in a home where folks were seeking Christ and where I did have prayer and Bible study modeled for me. And I don't take that for granted because Mm -hmm. um, I just have a lot of friends and and extended family who who haven't had that same blessing. But then when I became a mom, um, I would pray for my kids, as most moms, I guess, do, you know, if they 
had a fever, you just pray they feel better. If they've got a test at school, you might pray that they do well, that kind of thing. And I, I spent a lot of time praying that they would be nice to each other. We had four <laughs> kids in six years. And, you know, we'd gotten public and you'd think, please, God, help them behave. <laughs> and, and that was actually sort of the pivot point for me of how I got interested in praying the scriptures, because I came upon um, a verse, Ephesians 4, 29, and I share this a lot when I speak. And that says, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what's helpful for building mm. others up according to their needs, that it would benefit those who listen. And I remember reading that and thinking, okay, that says it. That's what I want for my children. That's what I want for me, that no unwholesome talk would come out of my mouth, but that all that I say would be beneficial, you know, building other people up. And so I thought that would make a great prayer. And I turned it into a prayer for my kids, for our family, and began praying it. And you mentioned moms in prayer. I think um, shortly after that, I got involved with that organization. And folks can, you know, find it on their own at momsinprayer.org. But they love to use scripture as a, a way to shape our prayers. And so I thought, you know, I know what I'm praying for. Again, that my kids would be nice. But I wonder what other moms, what other families want and what they're praying about, if anything. And so, you know, you asked how the books came to be. As I thought about what do other moms want, I did a survey and this was back before Instagram, before Facebook, right. you, you couldn't just do it. So I did it the old fashioned way with on, you know, sheets of paper and I would hand them out in the carpool line and at the grocery store, I put them in our Christmas cards and the, it only had one question on it. And the question on my survey was, if you could ask God to do anything for your family, for your children, what would it be? Wow. And, you know, you can imagine the answers. I, I got more yeah. than 100 surveys back and people wanted things like character traits. You know, they wanted wisdom, kindness, compassion. Folks wanted, obviously, safety and protection, wanted mm -hmm. salvation and a, a strong relationship with the Lord, good relationships with their siblings and with their friends, all of these things taken together. And I used kind of the top 20 answers to um, create sort of a table of contents for what I thought might become a book. And then I dug into um, the Bible just to see what God might have to say about all of these different needs that we face in families. And so that's how the first book came to be, Praying the Scriptures for Your Children. And if you've seen the book, and I know you have, mm -hmm. you're sweet to say that it, um, it's been a resource for you. It, they're arranged topically with every chapter having a different title or a different concern. And then um, there are stories in there, some from our family and many from other families. And then each chapter ends with uh, 10 or 12 scripture verses that we can pray that address that need. So that's a long answer to a short question. Sorry, but that's how kind of I came to the Lord and how the book, the first book came to be. No, I love that. And I mean, it, the way that it's arranged topically is so helpful because while you tell the stories, I mean, it's so easy to just open it up and say, okay, I really today am thinking about my child and you know, his kindness. Um, maybe mm -hmm. we're struggling with something at school with that. And there's a scripture that goes right along with how to just pray that your child Yeah. Will. And it's nice to have it all sort of cataloged and curated there. Um, I use the book myself. It's still on my bedside table. Mm. And you know, my children tease me because they say, you know, mom, you're reading your own book. And I think, well, it's just that I want those scriptures handy where I can grab them. And it's, <laughs> it's nice to have them already arranged. I know it looks really sad that I sit there reading my own book, but I'm not looking at what I wrote. I'm looking at what God wrote and using it to help me. Pray. Right. At the end of each chapter, because it does. I mean, it's just straight scripture that apply to those topics. So it's very helpful. Well, what have you seen in your personal prayer life that has been so valuable about praying the scriptures over your family? 
Wow. In my own personal life, I would say, well, first of all, the prayers, when we tap into scripture, they're a lot more creative, at least for me, mm-hmm. than I would come up with on my own. And I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, God, help, you know, please help. That's a that's a perfectly fine prayer. But as I shared with that Ephesians prayer, you know, there's a lot of, of richness and depth mm-hmm. and variety as we lift our prayers out of scripture. But not only that, I think they become a lot more powerful. God says, yeah. uh, I think it's Isaiah 55, that his word will not return empty, but will accomplish the purposes for which it's sent. And I've really seen that, that his word goes forth and it accomplishes things because we know he has good plans and good purposes for us and for our children. And when we allow the words that we read in scripture to shape not just our prayers, but also our perspective, you know, how we as parents Mm -hmm. think about things, how we think about our children, how we think about our lives, the hopes and dreams we have, as we allow scripture to shape those things, It's just so interesting to see how our prayers start to line up with what God already wants to do. And it's it's this beautiful um, hand-in-hand partnership where God invites us to partner with Him in accomplishing these purposes through prayer. And the other thing that I think has just been a huge benefit, and I'm sure you know this as a mom too, but as I, you know, slip my hand into God's and bring my children before him, for me, I get a a peace that I don't think I would get any other way. Because even if I have not yet seen the result, you know, even if we're still in the thick of whatever the issue is, I know God is at work. I've released it to him. Mm. I know he is for us. And it just sort of keeps anxiety at bay and, Mm. and opens the door to that peace and that contentment and that confidence, even in the midst of the storm. So that's how praying the scriptures has really blessed me as I use it for my family. That comment about just peace in the storm is so true, because in just the last few weeks, I've just had this real, you know, kind of like you said, like a storm internally. And as I was thinking through that, I thought, you know, you really haven't had some good quality time where you're, you know, bathing my own brain in the scriptures and praying that over, you know, my family, the situation or whatever. And that doesn't mean that that's the only way that it works. I mean, like you said, God hears us, you know, praying in your car, wherever, reading God's word, wherever works. But for me personally, some devoted time, um, some specific time praying and reading really does bring me a peace of mind that I miss when I don't do it. Absolutely. And I love, though, that you said praying in the car or whatever, because I do think a lot of times, and particularly for young moms who Mm -hmm. just are burning the candle at every end, you get up (laughs) early so you think you can spend time with the Lord, and that's the morning that your child wakes up even earlier, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I just love that you did mention praying in the car, because that really freed me up when I was younger and had these four little kids. And I thought, I don't even have time, hardly God, to spend with you. And an older, wiser woman said, you know what, Jody? just do it. You know, just pray in the carpool line, pray while you're cleaning the toilets, talk to God, share your needs with him. And it was so freeing. And I'm sure this wise woman would not have said, you know, skip the the more committed, concentrated, quality, quiet time. She wasn't saying that's not important. But it really freed me up to just walk through the days with the Lord, sharing my heart with him, even in the midst of the mayhem, uh, instead of beating myself up and feeling guilty that, oh, I don't have a half an hour to just be all by myself with my Bible and my <laughs> journal and no interruptions from any children. <laughs> yes. so, so I just appreciate what you said there about, about being able to kind of do it anywhere. So thank you. Absolutely. Well, you have four adult children now, and then as they continue to grow, you 
wrote two additional books, Praying the Scripture for Your Teens and Praying the Scripture for Your Adult Children. I have gifted the one for your teens a couple of times because I have friends who are in that season of life, but walk us through some highlights from those seasons and how you found praying to be different as your children got older. Yeah, well, that's a great question, too. You know, our kids' needs change to a degree. (laughs) There are certainly some needs that always stay the same, you know, their need for their closeness with the Lord and their need for kindness and all of that. But then there does come topic-specific things, and just life happens. And someone said, little people, little problems, Mm -hmm. big people, big problems. And, you know, that's true to a certain degree. And yet the beauty is God's Word doesn't change. His love for our kids doesn't change. So a lot of the same scriptures that we might pray for, say, a five-year-old who needs friends in kindergarten are going to be the same ones that I'm praying for my 25-year-old as she is, you know, forging her way in New York City and making new roommates and new friendships. And, you know, I mentioned friendships. Say there is uh, Proverbs 27, 17. It's a familiar one, and it's just a prayer that I've prayed for my kids. You know, surround them with wise and faithful friends, people who will sharpen them the way that iron sharpens iron. Because Mm -hmm. we do want our kids to be surrounded by um, young people who will keep them sharp, who will encourage them, who will hold them accountable, who will sharpen their faith. So that's a prayer that, that doesn't, you know, their their needs may change and their friendships may change. But at the end of the day, we want them to have those kind of godly friends. But I think our lives change as well. You know, when you have yeah. grown up kids, I, I found it was almost harder for the adults, for the moms and dads who are walking that road, looking at their 20-year-olds, because we don't really have the same parenting community. You know, the stage you're in, Amber, you've got kids in sports and you're on the sidelines and you can say, is it okay if Levi is doing this? Is it normal? And and yet when you get to my season of life, if your child is struggling, you know, with uh, unemployment or maybe with an addiction or some some tough stuff, mental health is a, is an issue. Yeah. And you think, golly, I feel alone. Are there other parents who go through that? Are there other families? And so that was one of the things, one of the reasons I wrote the adult children book, because I wanted parents to know they weren't alone, that God was still for them. And I did a study guide that's available for free as a download at jodyburnt.com because I wanted moms and dads to be able to say, you know, I'm going to process this on my own, but I might get a friend or two and just go through the book together and pray for our kids together, just sort of to, to create that kind of community that I was saying to you that, that you don't have as much when your kids are out of the house and and your home is empty and and sometimes your schedule's a little bit emptier because you're not going to all those parent things as much. So that's kind of the changes happen not just for our kids but also for us. But I just love that whatever need we face and I've said this before but I think it's so true. God's provided for that in his yeah. word. There's nothing that we're going to go through at any stage whether it's praying for a 6-year-old or a you know 30-year-old or a 50-year-old. I've, I've spoken to parents right. who are telling me they're 90 years old and they're praying for their kids wow. um, that God hasn't already thought of, that he hasn't provided for, that he hasn't experienced himself and, and gone before to be able to to show us how to pray and how to love our kids. Well, that's such a good perspective that, of course, in my season, I haven't thought of, of the fact that you're somewhat, I mean, you're not alone because, like you said, God is always with you, but that loneliness, I mean, he has made us for community. So no matter what season we're in, we have a desire to be with people who are experiencing similar, you know, situations. Yes. You just want someone to tell you it's normal, you'll get through it, or to come alongside you and say, you know, I will pray for you on that. Because certainly as parents, we get discouraged, we get weary, and there can be times when we are too 
fraught with fear over whatever's happening in our own family life to feel like we can pray effectively. But how beautiful it is when a friend will come alongside you and say, you know what, I'll carry that burden for you. I think Galatians 6 it talks about that, you know, about it, the community of believers who carry each other's burdens. And you just mm-hmm. say, well, I'll, I would love to come alongside you and pray for your child um, in this particular season. And, and so that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, and that's such an important thing, too, about staying connected, you know, to a body of believers to where you have some friendships and some outlets during those seasons of people that you can talk to, because I can only imagine, I mean, now it's like, you're right, I'm surrounded by people all the time, but still there are times where it feels lonely. Right, right. We moved a lot when our kids were oh, yeah. growing up with my husband's job. And I will tell you, you know, when we get to a new town, we want to find the grocery store, I'd want to find the library, you know, a few things, but really up high near the top of my list was finding a friend or two Mm-hmm. that I could count on as a prayer partner. And Moms in Prayer as that organization yes. certainly helped facilitate that. But there were some times when I would just sit in church and look at somebody and think, all right, <laughs> she looks like she has potential. <laughs> yeah. I want to make friends with her, <laughs> you know, sort of stalking her. But anyway. I know yeah. that's so funny, though, because when we moved to Raleigh, I remember thinking that same thing, like you're like profiling the people around <laughs> you to try to make sure it's like, okay, Lord, help me right. find friends. And if, yes. if you don't, yes. I'm going to do it on my Yeah, but he is so good. He does. He He knows we need that. And he does connect us, which I love. He absolutely does. Well, when discussing prayer, some common comments that I will hear in my season of life is praying is hard because I, I don't want to always be asking God to do stuff for me. I don't know how to pray. I struggle to discern if the Spirit is speaking to me. Do you have any tips you can share with our listeners who may be experiencing these types of feelings in regards to prayer? Wow. Yeah. You know what? I get that all the time. Those are incredibly common questions. Mm -hmm. So if one of your listeners is having them, uh, know that you're in a broad company. It's not just you. But I'll tell you on that first one, you said um, you feel like maybe you don't like to always ask God to do stuff for me. I had one mom come up to me and she said, I want to pray, but I don't want to be clogging up the lines in case somebody with like a bigger issue, you know, is trying to get through. We live in a world where there's hunger and and terrorism and these major issues. Why am I praying about my child and her loneliness? And I think, oh my goodness, you know, we we look at God as though he only operates on one bandwidth or that he's human and can't handle it all. But he is the God who knows the very hairs on our head. He's so attentive to details. And in the same way as we love it, when our children come to us with their concerns and want that relationship, He loves it. We never bug him. We never bug him. In fact, we delight him because over and over and over again in scripture, he actually commands us to pray. So prayer, we need to realize it's not bugging God. It's an act of obedience. It's an act Mm -hmm. of faith. It's an act of relationship. And there's actually evidence in scripture uh, several times where you see God kind of holding back, waiting for people to pray before he delivers. When we know he's sovereign, mm-hmm. he could just, you know, heal this person there, make it rain there, defeat this or that army. But he wants his people to pray. He okay. wants that relationship. And so it's a command. So we're not, we're never bugging him. Um, you know, so I don't want someone to think they're clogging up the lines or or bothering him. He's he's invited us and commanded us to do that. And as to that not knowing how, I mean, that's another one. I talk to people all the time. They say, I didn't grow up in a home where this was modeled. It feels awkward. I, how do I do it? I don't want to raise my children to think it's as awkward or as unfamiliar as I thought it was. So 
So help. And and I get that. And to that, I would just say sort of what that wise woman said to me when I was trying to navigate my way through all these little children was to just do it, you know, just to talk to God. And in the same way we learn a language like English, our prayer language grows as we get more comfortable talking to him. And we might start out with, God, help, help me be a better mother. Help me have patience. Uh, help me control my temper. Help my children control their temper. You know, but then that grows. And particularly as we delve into scripture and use those things to sort of, sort of shape our prayers, you know, that's language and words that God first breathed to us. Yeah. And think about it. A, a human mother or father might be saying, can you say daddy? Can you say doggy? And we, and the children imitates that. And I think God is a little bit that way with us saying, here's my word. Can you say this? And when we pray it back to him mm. and speak his language, what a delight that would be in his heart, the same way a human parent would love to hear their child say, daddy, our heavenly father loves to hear us say his words that he has taught us. So I would just encourage folks to dig in and get started. And then I'm trying to think, what else did you ask? Something about discerning the spirit? Yes. I mean, I have friends who are what I would consider, you know, pretty strong believers, but they really struggle with just discerning the voice of God. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a tough one. You know, there's, there's a lot of, a lot has been written about it. A lot Mm -hmm. of sermons preached on it. You always hear people say, and I think it's true that the Holy Spirit's voice will not contradict what we read in the written word. You know, it's not going to, not going to tell a husband to cheat on his wife just because that would make him feel better or that kind of thing. You know, it, it it has to line up with God's um, written word, but I think other ways to discern if the spirit is speaking. You know, that that is my number one, that it lines up with scripture. Mm-hmm. But I also think counsel from other strong believers. You know, I, you can say to your spouse or to your friend, I sense God take telling me to take this job or to enroll my child in this class or whatever it is, but I'm not sure. Sometimes just the counsel from someone else who loves the Lord and who knows you and loves you can help point you in the right direction. And then you can also pray that God would put confirming circumstances. You know, I've had times when I've thought, golly, you know, I think I need to say something to this person, but I'm not sure if God wants me to open my big mouth. And I'll just (laughs) say, Lord, you know, if you want that, would you please make that so abundantly clear that they would even ask me about it? You know, they'd bring it up. And sure enough, you know, if he wants me to do it, he'll he'll answer that. He'll have set things up. He can use circumstances so that I know it's an open door. Whereas other times he might close the door where I think, gee, I haven't run into that person in three weeks. And I always used to see him and I'm like, okay, he doesn't want me to talk to them now. Right. So um, I think he can definitely work through circumstances as well. But, uh, but there again, just like as we're learning to pray and learning to get into scripture, I think the more we talk to God, the more we begin to learn what his voice sounds like. And we just can can have that sense as he's speaking to us, is it him? He's never urgent. He's never condemning. You know, people will say, oh, I just feel like he wants me to do this and this and this. And I'm just got, I'm guilty. I can't keep up. And that's not God's voice. You know, he's never going to pile on. He's going to encourage and he's going to lift us up. And if there is a behavior that he wants changed, it won't be a voice of condemnation. It will be a voice of conviction, you know, saying, Amber, Jody, I love you. And that's not behavior that is uh, winsome in my daughter. Mm. And he gently comes alongside and takes our hand and convicts us and doesn't say, you stink. How could you have done that? I mean, that's not his voice. Right. The voice us. of shame is not right. from the Lord. It's not from the Lord. Exactly. So the more we walk with him, the more we begin to know. I, I don't know if that helps or not. But Oh, no, absolutely. And I know something else when it comes to discerning the voice of the Lord that I've had to be very careful about is I will pray for that wisdom and I will receive the answer. 
and I will believe it and know it in that moment. And two weeks from now, I'll be questioning it. Oh gosh. And you know, so it's going back though and saying, Lord, no, I prayed and I believed that you spoke to me through this, like you said, either situation, person, or just kind of that knowing that still small voice down in your heart that tells you what you know, I mean, gives you the wisdom you're asking for. Right, right. And I, you know, that's a great point. I, I keep a prayer journal. Yes. Um, And it's nothing fancy. It's right. just a ruled notebook. And some of the prayers are written out. Sometimes they're bullet points. Sometimes it's just a little verse that I feel like he's given me and I jot it down and date it. And for me, that is so powerful when, you know, two or three weeks later, six months later, you go through a oh, did I really hear you right, Lord? Or, oh, can I count on you in this one? And you look back and you see the promise he gave you that your human mind might have forgotten in the midst of the, the you know, to have that there is is a beautiful reminder. So if somebody is new to prayer, I would suggest getting some kind of notebook or journal and beginning to write prayers down. And when you hear God's voice or when you feel like he's given you a special scripture, write that down and date it so you have that to go back and look at. Yeah, well, and as we're speaking about the simple journal, in addition to God's Word, are there any resources that have really helped you on your prayer journey? Wow, wow. Well, yes, <laughs> I need all the help I can get. Um, I mentioned Me too, earlier girl. and we talked about <laughs> the, the Moms in Prayer group. I love that. You know, they have a lot of online resources and things, which is wonderful. But I am a huge book gal. Yes, I love to read books about prayer. Jennifer Kennedy Dean has done a study called Live a Praying Life, and that really helped me understand sort of how prayer works. Um, I love, I, maybe you can call them classic authors. Another less nice word would be dead authors, but, you know, kind of the saints who've gone before and whose work has really stood the test of time. And a favorite for me is Andrew Murray. He wrote a book called With Christ in the School of Prayer. Um, you have to get an updated language one, because if you read it in his original you know, 1800s language, it's, it can be a little bit challenging. Even the modern language can be a, a tough, but that really opened my eyes to kind of how prayer works and why God does invite us to press in. So yeah, I'm just a big get books on prayer because to me, they're very helpful. Early on when I was first just trying to learn to pray, I had read a book that kind of laid out that Acts format where it's adoration, praise the Lord first, then confess your sins, then thanksgiving, and then supplication. And that was such a beautiful way for me because it was very simple to just say, you know, Lord, I praise you for these reasons. Lord, I ask that you will forgive me of my sin. Then, you know, I thank you for X, Y, and Z, and then pray to him. And it's just such a simple way that, like you said, as you begin to talk to the Lord, those things become more deep and intimate and just more of a conversation back and forth. Yes, exactly. And, you know, I think some people can maybe seem a little skeptical of things like that, thinking, oh, that's a formula. But I will Mm. say it's more than a formula. It's something we see played out in Scripture. Um, I think the Lord's Prayer sort of follows that model loosely of Acts, and there are other prayers throughout the Bible. And so I don't see it as a formula so much as I see it as an anchor or a hanger to hold things on. And just like you say, when you begin with praise, certainly in a prayer time, that helps you take the focus off of your own problems and say, okay, God, you are bigger than whatever my issue is. It it sort of reorients and and fills your heart with hope as you pray when you start with praise. So all of that is is great. Well, and then there are so many times we pray for things and we don't see or we don't feel that the Lord is working. What do you, (laughs) yeah, what would you say to the person and how do you endure in that? How do you keep going? 
Yeah, that's a great question. And it's one that I actually wrestled with when I was working on the adult children book. And I wrote about it in the epilogue because I was praying about several things in my adult children's lives. And they weren't turning out the way I thought they should. God was taking longer than I thought he would. And at least one case, the answer was the opposite of what I wanted Mm -hmm. to happen. And I struggled with that and because I know God is loving and I know he's powerful. I know he loves my kids and I know he can do good things for them. And so when I have such a clear sense of what I think is right, whether it's a job opportunity or a relationship or anything, and it doesn't you know, turn out that way, it can be hard. And I took mm-hmm. that to the Lord. I said, what's going on? You know, what are you doing? And he was so sweet because very firmly, gently, but firmly, he said, you know, Jody. You say you're trusting me, but you're not trusting me. You're trusting an outcome. You know, you're trusting in a result instead of a relationship. You're looking for the gift and not for the giver. And that was really hard for me to hear. You know, I'd been walking with the Lord nearly 50 years and um, you know, I've, I'd written these books on prayer and I would like to have thought that I could could have gotten past that where God right. would have to say, you know, you're not looking at me, you're looking at the blessings I give. And so I had to just humbly kind of go before him and say, you're right, you know, forgive me. I'm not trusting you. I'm trusting in my agenda. I'm trusting in the outcome I think should happen. And, you know, I love what Tim Keller says about mm. this. He wrote a book called Prayer. And he says that when we pray, God will either give us what we ask for or what we would have asked for if we knew everything he knows. And golly, I mean, that is, we can, our heads can nod to that and we can give intellectual assent. Walking through it emotionally can be harder saying, you know Mm -hmm. what, God, I know you know, I, I know you see things I don't see. I know you see, you know, that husband wasn't the right one for me. That job wasn't the right one for me. That team wasn't right for my child to make, you know, they've been cut, whatever it is, but it can be hard. And we just have to go back again and again to the knowledge that he does love us, you know, infinitely, and that mm-hmm. he is working on our behalf. And that even though we can't maybe see it right now, we just can trust that He's got it. He's sovereign. He's in control. And he really does. As Romans 8 tells us, he works all things for the good of those who love him, who've been called according mm-hmm. to his purpose. So so he does have our ultimate future in mind. You know, that Romans 8, 28 is a, is a verse, I'm sure, that points to heaven, our heavenly home, that that's right. the good future he has. But as we live and breathe um, in the day-to-day life, I think he is also working in circumstances and in relationships to bring about good things in our lives, even if we don't necessarily recognize them. You know, Isaiah again says his ways are not our ways. His paths, his, his timing, you know, all of it might be different but they're higher and they're better. And we just have well, to trust that. and the complexity that. that we just will never be able to wrap our mind around. I have to often remind myself when I get frustrated over, like you said, either the, the answer right now is no or wait, or I'm going to yes. answer a different way because right. I'm also working in this person's life over here. Yes, he's putting pieces <laughs> together that we're not seeing. Exactly, exactly. And maybe you're this so person right. that you're praying for really needs to learn, you know, lesson X, Y, or Z. And we don't see that all the time because maybe it's a painful lesson that we don't want our children to experience. Yep. It's just <laughs> yeah. so complex. Yeah, it's <laughs> like you said, it's like going back always to the character of God and remembering that God is good and that he keeps yes. his promises. 
Yes. Amen. You said it. Yeah. Well, as we close out the show, I ask my guests a few questions. The first one being about the grace of God. We as believers always experience it, but there are times when it's almost all we can do is cling to it on a day-to-day basis. Is there a time in your life that you could share with our listeners where you feel that you really had to cling to God's grace? You know, I wish there was just one time that I could share, (laughs) but it is so day in and day out. And especially I think for moms, because we just sort of put this burden on ourselves where we Mm -hmm. think, oh, I've blown it. Whatever I have said or done has ruined my child. You know, whether I've lost my temper or like, I'll say, why did I say that? You know, why did Mm -hmm. I do that? I want that one back. And yet where I cling to God's grace and where I have in my eldest is nearly 30 years old, you know, so in nearly 30 years of parenting, I would say I have to cling to what my friend Susan Yates, who just wrote some wonderful parenting books, Susan Alexander Yates, she says our ability to ruin our kids is nothing compared to God's ability to redeem them. Mm. And I just love that. And I would even extend on that or build on it and say, not just redeem our kids, but redeem us and redeem our parenting mistakes, you know, and use those things. That's how his grace works. He can use even the icky stuff, the mistakes that I have made to bring about good purposes in my family's life. And when I step back and and just take stock of that, I'm just filled with awe thinking, wow, in all of my mess, God, your grace is working to bring about beautiful things. So Mm. I would say like, I wish I could say, boy, this is a time I had to cling, but I think it's kind of daily and weekly that I'm clinging. Well, where in your life do you feel is an area that you could pour out that grace that God has given you a little more freely? Well, you know, there again, I go to parenting because God is such a grace, (laughs) such a grace-filled parent for us. You know, he lets us, it doesn't let us, but, but as we make mistakes, he woos us back and draws us back and teaches us. And I want to love my kids with that same grace and that same love because, you know, I'm not telling you anything or your listeners anything we don't already know when we know that our, we say our, our kids don't always do things the way we would. They make stupid choices. They make wrong choices. And yet we do the same thing. Absolutely. And I think we can take our cue from God and say, you know, that's not going to affect my love for you. Mm. It's not going to affect my grace toward you. Yes, I'm going to guide you and there may be consequences um, and we may have to work through some things. But the bottom line is that love and grace covers that stuff. So I just am trying to extend the same grace to my kids that my God has to me. Mm. So good. And a good reminder for me is this morning on the way to school, (laughs) (laughs) I thought, well, you did not handle that very well. And when your child gets back in the car at the end of the day, we need to do a little apologizing and... And, you know, I but will say, so I mean, beautiful too, oh, it is absolutely teaches them that, you know, mommy's not perfect and, and you can ask forgiveness and you can say sorry. And what a beautiful model for them to learn that. Anytime someone asks me, it's one of the very first things that I say, apologizing, asking for forgiveness, telling your children that you need Jesus just as much as they do is one of the best gifts you will ever give them. Yep. 
Yep. You know, I mean, I am not above them or anybody else in the need of forgiveness (laughs) and grace. So don't put me on that pedestal, please. I I have one friend uh, who says, you know, thank goodness I'm not perfect because if I were, you would be tempted to worship me. And I think, oh, well, that's a good line for your teenage children when they're rolling their eyes and saying, mom, you say, yeah, well, guess what? I'm not perfect. (laughs) Oh, the rolling of the eyes. That's, that's a, that's a story for a different day. Exactly. Well, lastly, if you had the opportunity to sit down with your great-grandchildren and offer them some wisdom, what is something you would like to share with them? Uh, You know, that just makes me kind of tear up Mm -hmm. to think about the legacy of faith and of wisdom. I think there's a verse, I think it's 3 John verse 4, and it's where John's writing. He says, I have no greater joy than to know that my children are walking in the truth. And I would say to parents and to my kids and to my grandkids and great grandkids that that's that's it, you know, to be walking in the truth, to be pursuing Christ, all of the other stuff in life, the achievements we have, the accomplishments we um, manage to achieve, all of that just it pales in comparison to that relationship with Christ. So I would say to my great grandchildren, walk with him, pursue Mm -hmm. him, and that will be your greatest joy. And it certainly is my greatest joy. So that's what I would wish they would know is that a relationship with Jesus is everything. Well, Jody, thank you so much for being here. I will definitely put in the show notes just where we can find all of these resources. And to all of our listeners, jodyburnt.com is a great place for resources and encouragement. And of course, I would recommend all of your books that you have written. So thank you so much for being here. Oh, Amber, thank you. Lord bless you and Lord bless your listeners. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you are a first time listener, welcome. Be sure to visit the archives to listen to previous episodes featuring women and men who are impacting God's kingdom by taking small steps of faith in their day-to-day lives. And if you are a regular listener of the show, thank you for tuning in week in and week out. Be sure to head over to iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe. Clicking that subscribe button helps to make sure you never miss a new episode of the Grace Enough podcast. While you're there, would you mind taking a moment to leave a review of the show? Leaving a review of the show helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you. If you share the show on social media, be sure to use the hashtag Grace Enough Podcast or tag me at Grace Enough Podcast underscore Amber on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough Podcast. Tune in next time. This episode was brought to you in part by the Lord of Spirits podcast. Many Christians yearn to break free of the influence of secular materialism and to understand the union of the seen and unseen worlds as made by God. What is the spiritual world like? Tune in wherever you get your podcasts.